Yes, this is episode nine. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I okay. should know I'm editing it. <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's why I'm asking you. I'm like, I don't. I never deal with that. I have no idea how to. It's stress free. Exactly. <laughs> well, you gonna you want to de- delete that part? It started. No. Or just go from there. Okay. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Three Way Podcast. This is episode nine. I uh, just wanted to give everybody a heads up again. Uh, check us out on all platforms. Uh, subscribe like message us on uh, our instagram email also and we are on youtube as well right now so you can check out some of the videos we put updates uh we have a very special guest today i want to welcome doris driver doris welcome to our show thank you for having me welcome well uh let's let's start with a little introduction to yourself like how how did you get into or what do you currently do yes (laughs) well usually when people ask me what i do my answer is usually my best (laughs) <laughs> it's a good answer. That is. <laughs> because, you know, here in Los Angeles, that seems to be a very cliche question and, and people uh, uh, value you on what you do and not who you are. Um, but so that's usually my my answer. Um, I am in I'm consulting right now because I am basically starting a new chapter in my career and life, which I'm excited about, which is really uh, focusing on. Basically, um, combining education and and entrepreneurship and business. So I'm excited about that. So I'm consulting. Nice. And is that something that uh, you will be working uh, with, like a community college district, or what? what I think I'll be working with various um, 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 genres as far as like yes, the the students that are coming straight out of high school because with technology now, people uh, students are more interested in working at while they're getting their education versus just getting an education in four year, as well as uh, uh, people that are retiring because they're not completely retiring. They may be retiring from one career and transitioning into more of a um, hobby career. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so, or entrepreneurship or, you know, really entering and, and utilizing the gig economy now. So uh, I've been getting a lot of requests and calls and asking uh, requests for advice on career advancement or career startups. So it's like helping them find a, like a different path to like a different career if they want to do, even if they're about to retire, but they still want to keep busy. Right, because they've already made their living and their children are grown and now they can enter their own dream of what they want to do. So, That's really cool. So I'm excited about nice. talking to people about that. Does uh, social media have anything to do with that? Because I, I realize in today's industry, almost well, a majority of the businesses uh, are on social media and utilize like applications to do businesses. Does that have any fitment in this aspect, or is it? Uh, it's a it's a double edged sword because it's great for a convenience, but I, I think what's missing is the human aspect of like what we're doing now and those uh, I call them the interpersonal skills, yeah. the unsaid skills. And what happens with social media, you can pretty much create a facade that isn't true. Oh, that's that's pretty much everything I see today. <laughs> yeah. That's so true. I think um, I believe that that. We gotta have to, we're gonna have to find a happy balance with that because you don't want to keep putting um, some uh, a false appearance or a false persona out there, and then when you get that position or you get that client, you can't deliver. I agree. Um, so I think there needs to be more of an education around that, the integrity part piece of it, and to really um, have coaching. Like I believe in business and career coaches. Because they're going to hold you accountable and hold you in a line of integrity um, because you're partnering with them. And, and so you're accountable to your original plans, vision, and mission statements. And I think you just need a checks and balance person for that. For it's sure. so true. Because like, um, there was this recent article I read about 
how many of these social media stars that are actually not millionaires, but they, they have to portray this character and they have like millions or hundred thousands of followers. But it's like you said, it's, it's a lie. And then the other side to it, it you're ruling out your privacy. That, like yeah. you have no sense of privacy at all in your consciousness anymore. So you're kind of out there, which can expose you and make you vulnerable as well. So you, there has to be a, a balance to it, um, so to speak, because, you, you, you know, you can't see striving for content. So you start revealing more and more about yourself that it leaves nothing to a person to get to know you because they already know you, right? Exactly. So where's the where's the challenge in that when you're fully exposed? So, it, you know, it could be dangerous, too. So you have to really... There needs to be guidance around it. And with the older, like people, you know, I'm 50 plus. I don't mind saying that. It's a learning curve. Totally. It's a learning curve. Because I'm sure, like, even, like, they've done it through uh, the basics, like, going to high school, college, and then just getting into the work. But, like, with nowadays, with all these, like, even social media, the, there's different outlets to, to doing different types of jobs. Mm-hmm. Like you said, like, and the, the having the right advice or somebody to say, okay, this is the better route for you at for this type of job. Like it, it's a good kind of. Well, thing think to about have. it. You have to have. You have to be your brand, right? Yeah. What are you contributing? Like I don't ask. I don't ask people uh, who they want to. Young people who they want to be in life. I ask what problem you want to solve or what difference you want to make. Because I don't believe in. I, I believe success is like um, very subjective. Everybody's definition of, uh, of success is different. That's true. So when people say, "Darcy, you want to be successful?" No, I, I want to be significant. I want to have made a difference, right? Sure. Yeah. Um, so that's that's the question I always ask them. I never say, you know, what what do you want to do to be successful? In society, of course, is materialistic success, but you're not fulfilled. So what difference are you making? What significance are you bringing on the planet? What legacy are you going to leave? And you don't have to wait until your older years to say, okay, now I'm ready to leave a legacy. You can make that plan young. That is the beauty of social media because even with us doing a podcast, yeah. you are leaving a legacy. Somebody's yeah, going to hear it. I agree. You're not here, so you that that takes accountability and responsibility and a level of maturity. Because like I, I have a 14 year old, and I tell him, you know, what you put out there won't be erased. That's true, especially <laughs> nowadays. That's true. So there has to be some form of maturity and responsibility. And accountability. Sure, because like even uh, even when it comes time for applying for a job, like I know Disney for a fact goes deep down and really looks at everything you did, and so they might even go to your social media and see Definitely. what kind of person you are. So that could ultimately affect if you're going to get the job or not. Well, it's not just Disney. I mean, 97% of the economy in California is small business. And small businesses can, you know, uh, the definition, uh, there's the Small Business Association definition of 500 or more, you know, employees and a certain amount of money you make. I don't necessarily agree with that. I, I believe you're what you're doing, you're, you're a small business. To, for my definition uh, or how I believe that you're an entrepreneur, that's a mindset. Where you want to work for yourself and and um and 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 really be accountable for your goals and and that can you can be an entrepreneur and still work in a gig economy. So let's define a gig economy. The gig economy is uh, is made up of individuals that are temporary freelancers or what we call independent contract workers, which is prevalent here in Los Angeles because the entertainment industry has been a gig economy since the beginning because you're only as good as your last project and exactly. you're higher mm-hmm. per project. So you have to have that entrepreneurial mindset. So when you're in between projects, how do you still maintain your living, you know, take care of your family. You have to have the components of that, which, you know, to me, there's a three-pronged uh, approach to that. And that is ha- having, um, you know, your branding, always networking, right? Because yeah. you still got to have a couple in the pipeline while you're still working exactly. your, your job. And then you have to have a time management. 
you know, if the job's going to end, you have to already have have something else in the works. At, else in the works, and then you have to have finance uh, knowledge, right? So you have to work with a financial person that's put make yourself financially solvent. So that's a whole new approach to the workforce. Where before, you know, back in the day, you could work twenty years, you get your, you know, you get your benefits, you get your your retirement, retirement your yeah. full. It's not like that anymore. Oh, no. I, I don't think you could actually – well, if you're going to retire, it's kind of hard for you to live off that pension in California at least. And oh, so everything's expensive. You are a walking small business if you think about it. To me, the definition of, of small business is if you are accountable for another person's salary or payment. Yeah. To me, you're immediately a small business. If I hire you to do something for even temporary, I'm a small business. Yeah, that's, that's my true. definition because I'm responsible for paying you, mm-hmm, right? Sure. Um, if it's just me – you know, it's the, I'm, I'm my own employee, so I'm all of it. So I think I think people have to realize that small businesses um, also have that same. They're going to dig down and see because they have a brand and they want you to enhance their brand. They're going to do the same research as Disney because they got more to lose. To me, you know, because one bad review can break. It can can really make or break you. your business. Yes. So especially in entertainment, because it's all word of mouth and who you know. And the other um, important. Uh, so, you know, one of the important principles also is I was talking recently to a friend and I said, you know, when you ask me what I do, to me, it's, I, I do, I was a project manager, which is glued to pages to make sure that projects are set out on timely manners. I've done a lot in my career, careers, because I think you reinvent yourself. But what's really prevalent, what people, and I was just talking to a, a, another friend of mine, what people remember the most is how you make them feel when you leave the room. So even though I'm I'm very good at what I do yeah. and I'm 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 more concerned about how am I making that person feel when I leave the room. That's a that's a definitely a big thing. It's definitely a good analogy because uh you never know who's gonna move up. Like even they remember, person. yeah, they don't remember about like what you did or what happened. They remember how they felt when they dealt like you know, the, were you a team player? Exactly. Did you inspire me? Did I feel good? Did I feel motivated? Do I want to be around this person again? That's what they're remembering, you know, because, you know, because there's there's thousands of people that can write a report. But if I you or you or me make them feel great and still write the report, they're going to remember the person that made them feel great. Right. No, for sure. So, you know, and that's an entrepreneurial mindset, too, because you want your clients to keep coming back. So even in my career, when I had jobs, I had an entrepreneurial mindset. I walked in thinking like that. Who was I always asked my question? The question I always asked was, who was I being? Who am I being? Who am I being? Not really what I'm doing. Because you can teach and learn that yeah. technical yeah. part. <laughs> anyway, so um, so now I'm loving it. I'm, I'm working with people. I'm advising people. I, I'm choosing my projects. It's fun. Well, uh, Doris, so let's just talk about how, uh, when you went to school, like uh, what was the subjects you like took in, in, in college? So let me rewind. Oh, in college. Yeah, okay. college wise. Well, well, I have to actually go yeah, back. Yeah, definitely. Back. So, okay. So technically, by the age of um, five through eighteen, I entered the foster care system, which is another way of being an entrepreneur, because <laughs> you have to learn the system. And when you go through multiple homes, you have to learn how to navigate and understand people. But I always loved school because it was structured. Because young people, children like to um, structure, but not necessarily strictness. Yeah. Uh, and as a parent. Mm-hmm. I'm aware of that. So I craved the structure. So I received that at school. So in eighth grade, um, I was had the opportunity to win a scholarship through a better chance and go to a prep school, uh, nice. boarding school yeah. in Massachusetts. Um, 
and it was ranked six in the country and it was all uh-huh. girls school and it, but it taught me self-discipline and it taught us we went to school from eight to three then we had after school activity then you had dinner then you had study hall so there was a schedule everything was scheduled and, wow. and lights out at nine so that you know I, I graduated for that for four years and out of that I, and then I was also able to go to school with the one per children of the one percenters the very rich and so I always lived this dual How was that? It was interesting because because there was a duality to my life because during the school year, I saw children that had, uh, or my peers that had all the materialistic gains, um, but they were lacking a lot of love because the parents weren't there. They were too busy out making money. That's true. Um, and so then I'd go home to foster care and be in poverty, but I still could see the love. It was very interesting. So I didn't like either at the time. And so um, I was like, I don't really want to be rich because people are loved, but I don't want to be poor either. So I had to figure it out. <laughs> So as a result, I was able to win a scholarship to college Nice of my choice. And at that time, it was supposed to be a college in Vermont or New Jersey. But my prep school was in Massachusetts, and I was sick of being cold because it was in the Berkshires <laughs> is, Mountains. Is it cold? Yeah. It was freezing. Wow. <laughs> so I was like, I'm done with cold. <laughs> and I knew um, at a very early age I wanted to be in the music industry because during the foster care t- years, um, the one consistent thing in my life was music that I had control over, right? I had a little record player and I only liked music. And I had the opportunity the summer before entering school to go and do an internship. That's why I believe in internships. Yeah. Um at IBM. Wow. So I love business. That's when I, I learned to love coffee. And I mean they it was just for the summer. So here I so I went to a library and um and I said I wrote down at, at like fourteen, I wrote down everything that I love to do. And so I went to the library. They don't do this anymore. You can now do it online. But I go to the library and I go to the library and I go, I want to find a job or career doing this. So she Those things that you like. Right. Yeah. I got showed her the list. So and which was business and music. Right. So she got this big occupational journal out. You know, I'm telling my age now because this thing is huge. <laughs> and she's flipping through it. So she finds music industry. And I was like, that's what I want to do. And so. I always tell people when they're um, not really sure to write down what you would love to do that you would do with not even for the money. That's very important. Because then it doesn't feel like a job, though. Like, that. you know, like you're doing it because you enjoy it. It's your calling. Exactly. So you mentioned internship. Uh, how hard was it for you to break into the music industry? Well, that's an interesting story. So this is just I'm a, I'm a spiritual person, so I do believe in divine intervention. So doing um, high school. Yeah. I want now here's here's an important lesson. So once I discovered what I want to do, I told everybody, right? Because who knew? So I was like, I want to be in the music industry. I want to be in the music yeah. industry. And I was interested in learning the business and educating artists. So I'm very pro artist because I, I noticed that artists kept getting ripped off. And I was like, I'm going to teach them the business so they don't get ripped off. Yeah. <laughs> that was my whole goal. So I they made it known. They, I used to be teased as Miss Motown. I put posters up. Now, these are all life skills because when you put your goal up, it's a visualization. So every day I'm programming my subconscious and mind and tell, also telling God this is what That's I want to do. That's the route you want to go. So with. you find the most successful person or entity that you want to do and you you put it somewhere where you see it every day. So it was all over my wall, right? And so I ended up looking at that time. I'm dating myself, but there were um, albums. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I would turn over the album and I wrote to every record company. And I said, I'm the, I am, you know, in 11th grade and da, 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 and I'm the project of the future. And this is what I want to do. And I would love to get some advice on how to do it. 
So I just sent out a letter to every record company off the albums that wow. I had. Someone wrote back, and it was the, at that time he was the vice president of business affairs for Motown. Wow. That they're big records. Though. So yeah. he writes me back. Now, why he why does he write me back? This is why you always want to put your dream out there. He happened to be on the committee of the scholarship where I won the prep school, right? A better chance. So he was on the committee. That's he a crazy the, coincidence. So too, he though. starts writing me back. So now I have a pen pal. Wow. And he's pro education. So, because I wrote about my background, yeah. he said, if you get good grades, I'll keep writing to you. And so we had this pen pal relationship. So he got upset when I graduated. He was like, go to Dartmouth. But see, Dartmouth was in, it's either, it's in New England. And I was like, I'm done with the cold. I'm not going. <laughs> so he was mad because I could get it. I got in, I could have got into Dartmouth, but I was like, I'm so done. So that's one way. The other way, this is just God, how God works. On a parent weekend, I had befriended a young freshman when I was a senior who was homesick. And she just would cry every night. And so I just felt bad for her because she had never been away from home. Well, little did I know her father at that time was president of Atlantic Records. Wow. But see, again, you can't make it's this stuff up. a small world. So the headmaster calls me in and he goes, you know whose dad? You know what her dad <laughs> it does? And I'm yeah. like, no. So um, she told me. So the next parent weekend, he, they introduced me to him. And he said, if now. Now, I'm 15 at the time. He says, if you graduate from college, I'll give you an internship. Well, he shouldn't. Have, my last name is Driver for no reason. He should have <laughs> never told me that. So I, you know, do well in school and I graduate. So every parent weekend, he's checking in. How are your grades? You know, and then I got the pen pal. How are your grades? Wow. Right? So I, now I have mentors, right? Yeah, of course. And so um, this is how interns happen. So in the interim, um, I graduate from high school, but I hold them to it. And I decided to come to California because I actually had relatives here. So I was like, and so I got to choose. I got to talk to the committee and say, I don't want to go to college in Vermont and I don't want to go to New Jersey. But if I find a college in California, can I have the scholarship? And they yeah. were like, sure. So I I was 18 and I went to, I got into um, UCLA, Occidental. But see, being 18, I didn't know which college to take because I came from a small school. Yeah. So UCLA scared me. USC, all those scared me, the big colleges. So Whittier seemed like the best choice yeah they were small so i chose um i chose whittier which is a liberal arts school which probably wasn't the best choice because i was more interested in business and they weren't business they were liberal arts but i was a full scholarship for four years so they loved me and so um because i was a walking hundred grand at the no, time of course <laughs> that's a lot so um so here's how that worked i ended up meeting the the vp of motown yeah Right. Because I had never met him. I just was pen paling him. So when I came to California to interview colleges, he, I went to Motown and, and he showed me around and wow. he was a, he was a lawyer. And, um, and so I met him. And then um, he uh, and then, um, you know, he, he was he said, OK, once you get into college, we'll see what we can do. Now, remember the father? Yeah. Of the, of the friend. Atlantic, yeah. So when I got the degree, I said, I have my degree now. Now, by this time. He only had his own record company called Mirage. Yeah. And he was like, okay, you got an internship. Because I showed him I had high school. I was like, I did it. Yeah. No, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. He waited for college. I showed him I had a de degree that I yeah. had graduated. So in the meantime, I'm still pimpaling these same people. And they're checking my college grades. Doris, how important is it to keep up with the people? Because I realize. Very important. They're your mentors. Because remember, they're, remember, they're doing what I want to do. Yeah, it's very important to find somebody that's already doing what you want to do. And if you're 
and in you know if you're um a a visionary and no one's done it before at least be in the have have a mentor keep in touch and keep in touch with people yeah. that are area of your interest that's going to keep you out of your head and out of your own way because i was accountable to them right yeah i made an agreement yeah to do well in school so even when I didn't feel like it, I had an agreement that I knew I was going to be meeting, you know. But that was this. definitely a big motivation too, right? Just just for you to go through, finish, do well. Yeah. I mean, because because like I said, I, I knew I was accountable to them. Yeah. I knew they were going to ask for my report card. They were going to check when they are taking the time out of, you know, talking to me. And, definitely. And, and writing me. And I was like, okay, I can't disappoint them. So I would still uh, do well. And so um, he started me off. But I'm going to tell you a humbling experience, too, real quickly. And that was when I first got the internship, um, I, I met his secretary. Now, this is where trade is important because all along I was I learned how to type. Yeah. Now, so even though I had this degree, I knew how to type. The skill typing got me the job, wow. not the degree. And I know I'm saying that on this podcast, but again, I believe in having a great skill. And a, and an education. I think yeah. I believe you should have both. You know, um, a, an education and a, and a degree. I think you should have. So the skill got me the job. But here's a humbling experience. So I start the next day at the internship. He has me going through all the trade magazines and cutting out articles. Now I have this degree from this private college. Yeah. I did all this. So my ego is upset. i have a degree and you have me cutting out articles (laughs) and pasting them like i'm in kindergarten right in my head so i did that that's all i did yeah that's all he had me do and then i'd have to turn it in to him on friday and then he would never read it so i was getting upset like now remember it's a non-pay internship yeah yeah and i'm supposed to learn the record industry and he got me cutting out articles. I'm not understanding. So I'm upset. <laughs> no, for and sure. And I, I done worked hard and got all this degree. So finally, I couldn't take it anymore. And I went in and I said, I don't mean to be, um, you know, ungrateful. But I noticed you got me reading these trades and cutting out these articles and pasting them on this on these paper. And then I give them to you and you don't read them. And he said, well, that's because I've already read the trades. And I said, well, then I'm, a, I'm, I'm confused. <laughs> and he says... No, the whole objective of the of this assignment is for you to read the trade and the, you for you to know what's going on in the industry. That's very oh, wow. important. <laughs> uh, that's 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 a pretty. And so he was grooming me. And he was grooming me for the industry. He's like, I know what's going on. I've been. I'm a president. I own my own record company. Of course, I've read the trades already. That's but funny. I needed you to read them. That's so an important you, lesson. And, so and, you have a better understanding too. Totally. I feel like that applies to anything you do in life. You have to be up to date, even if you're a filmmaker or if you're into like all these gadgets and all this technology, you have to know what's out but there. But there's another lesson, and that is no job's too small. That's, I think, a big one, definitely. Because remember, I had an ego. I was a big-time college graduate, cutting and pasting, and I had attitude around it. <laughs> right? Cause I'm so well, no, it's uh, completely understandable at, at that time, for so, sure. You talk about humility. <laughs> <laughs> That's crazy. So, and then the next job he had me do is folly. So then I caught an attitude like, I got a degree. Why am I filing? When am I going to meet artists and work with artists? I'm upset. Yeah. But now this is the secretary from New York. Well, I'm friends too with her to this day. And she had me filing and I didn't like it. And I'm like, so finally I, I did it. I did it. Finally, I was like, okay, I got to go to her. Why am I filing? I have a degree. They're not utilizing me. I yeah. have a lot to contribute. I'm upset. So I go to that. I go, why do you have me filing? She said, well, how else are you going to know what's going on in the company? 
I hope you're reading everything you file. That's now, crazy, yeah. the lesson there is also humility, but the lesson also is, she said, what is the lesson? I was like, well, I don't really know. She said, because your job is to have the answers. If you're reading everything you file, you know, glimpsing over it. Yeah. When somebody has a question and you have the answer, they're yeah, going right. to hire you or ask you. Of course, yeah. To do the job, right? So that was another lesson. <laughs> that's a that's a pretty big one though. That's a pretty big one. That's important. You really have a lot. Of, I feel like a lot of people in that situation would be like, "Oh, I'm just filing paperwork, or I'm just cutting little articles out." But really, like if you look at everything, like she said, so you'll have a like lot of knowledge. Karate kid, exactly. Well, like it's it. teamwork. It's executive's job is to make decisions. Yeah. The assistants and everybody under that executive's job is to get that person the information and make the best decisions. So if I'm walking in with the answers to his questions, he's going to look at me. He's going to ask me again. He's going to go to me again. You're going to be a definitely a worthy source. Yeah, definitely. So uh, that's one of the things I always say. No matter what age or what stage you're at, you always want to be have a, what we call a beginner's mind. You want to go in fresh and new. We're no jobs too small. And try not have not to have a big ego too. That, that which could hurt leave you. Leave the ego at the door. You yeah. got a big ego when you leave and be yeah. you know be with your friends. That's true. <laughs> but you can't you know because that's human nature. But yeah. But you don't. You want to come in with a beginner's mind. Yeah. And you want to wake up going, what can, what difference can I make? How can I bring value to the job today? And I think that that is gets you more success than. You know, you still have to have the technical training. You, sure, there's for no, sure. There's no shortcut to that. But if you develop these, these, these you, you, you know, interpersonal skills to me is like a muscle, soft skills, whatever you want to call it. Um, that's a muscle that you have to exercise every day. And I think that's what makes the difference. Definitely. Even in this transitioning now, because um, we, you know, I've transitioned from one career to another. I was like, watch by February, I get calls because I know what i brought into the, i bought what energy i brought into the room and that's what's going to be missing and your experience though it's amazing too it's not even that you're just your experience alone i mean because you've experienced entertainment well, the, well i want well, let's, let's let's talk let's, about let's, yeah definitely <laughs> that's a very interesting <laughs> subject for me okay so what do you want to know <laughs> so so okay so from your intern job like where where did it go from there so now i intern for him for the summer i don't get paid and then he says uh, and then I'm typing now. Yeah. I had to get over that too. Now, the, the, his assistant, all she wanted to be was a secretary. So she knew shorthand. She typed 130 words a minute. Wow. She was freaking amazing. <laughs> okay. She, first of all, she was like, I'll have time for you. And I was like, you're going to love me by the end of this time. <laughs> <laughs> and she trained me. She trained me to be organized. She trained me to be on time. She wow. was, she's from New York. So she was, and I'm Jersey, so it was intense. But she she was like the drill sergeant. Wow. She was like, have the answers, be here on time. Wow. So that, that gave me the skills to prepare, right? So here's how I entered the industry. Uh, when the internship was ending, uh, and his name was Jerry Greenberg, by the way, um, who now is retired. And he called me in and he said, okay. I was like, I'm ready to go to work. He said, well, I'll tell you what. I'm going to make calls and I'll get, you in, I'll get you in the door, but it's your job to keep stay in the room. But I was upset, too, because, you know, I'm young. I'm like, oh, man, he's not giving me a break. <laughs> he's like, I'll get you to I'll make the calls and get yeah. you to interview. But you got to get yourself in the room. So yeah. I interviewed at um, A&M Records, which was formerly uh, Jerry Moss and Herb Albert's record company. And I interviewed in promotions um, and for an assistance job because yeah. that was your entry. Because remember, I typed. 
Yeah. I must ask, how many words per minute did you type? <laughs> I don't know, probably like a hundred at that time. Wow. But 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 it was getting better. So I was typing. <laughs> but remember, I'm not using my degree. And back in that day, they I was advised not to tell them I had a degree because most executives in the record industry didn't have degrees. Uh, they came from what we call the street school, right? Yeah. So you didn't want to come in there with a degree. You had to hide it. So I didn't really announce that. So um, I ended up getting the job of promotions as an assistant and work with great artists. Um, and what promotions does is that they would get your record played on the radio. So it's also known as like the party department. And I'm not a partier. So I was really, <laughs> <laughs> I was like, a, I was a workaholic. So you would talk to what, like, like radio? You talk to radio shows? DJs oh. to get the records on oh, the radio. Wow. But I assisted the actual or you know, actual managers you know oh, promotion okay. managers out there and so i had to do all the administrative work for them and so that's what i did but they didn't know now here's this is crazy i only knew them over the phone because they were all over the country yeah right so i'm only dealing with them over the phone i never and i would never go out because i had no interest was in, this based in la though or I new york I, oh. in hollywood right you know where the um what is it the henson building with big old uh, yeah, uh it's on la brea yeah that yeah. was charlie chaplin That's yeah, yeah, yeah. oh wow so work with and then i was able to work with on uh, janet uh rhythm nation album and sting and wow. barry white and jeffrey osborne and that's an amazing experience yeah, like, did you get totally, to meet everybody too yeah pretty much yeah so and, and artists are interesting you they're just just like actors their jobs are just more popular but they're human and they some take their craft seriously some don't you know um so they're people just like us. Again, their jobs and their careers just make a, make them a little make them more popular. Um, and I, I had this saying that said, um, you know, two things is 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 you don't want to believe in your own hype. Don't get the I have arrived syndrome because yeah. people are paid to to pump you up. They're called publicists. <laughs> and don't yeah. you know don't believe the story so it's important to have people that know you that yeah. can kind of give you that reality check because your ego is the worst your worst enemy in oh, those yeah. careers i've definitely um, seen seen a lot of but it's mistakes a, made like that yeah so it's a team that builds your your brand right mm -hmm. you're a brand we're a brand every time we walk in the room so people are paid to build your brand yeah and the just like in business i recommend every student to um there's an old CD or DVD or movie, and it's called The Corporation. And I highly recommend high schoolers be, or anyone who, before they enter the, the workforce, uh, to see this movie. Because it's, it tells you how corporations or businesses are built without any human um, compassion. Right? Oh, wow. So artists, entertainers are, are like that catch-up. That you're selling. Yeah. They don't care about your feelings. They're gonna you you have a job to do. So it they take the, the humanness out of it, the compassion out of it. So if you understand that, you'll be able to protect yourself better. Yeah. If that makes sense. And so, because there are people that really don't care, they just need you to perform and make the money because you know people's salaries are on the line and they don't care if you're sick or upset. You need to do what you're supposed your to do. Your part, yeah. So um, you have to really understand that and realize that God's giving you the, the talent, but you have to understand the business of the selling of that talent. You know, so a lot of artists don't like to learn the business side. I think that's changed now a lot because now you don't really need the middle person. Yeah. Um, yeah. But it was just really educate them on the business side, because at that time when you signed up and got a record deal, you were automatically a quarter million dollars or so in the hole. Right. Wow. So they're investing in you. Yeah. You got to pay it back.
Oh. <laughs> oh, so like uh, you would think like the investment is just uh, so they actually owe that money. Yeah. That, so if your record got a hit and was sold, they're recouping it against the money they spent to invest in you. Wow. Right. Not even on top of what, let's say, goes profit wise. Like, well, here's how our artists really made their make their money, and that was touring. You didn't make your money off the sale. You went out promoting, just like now, you promote a product. Yeah, yeah. That's how you make your money. So they made their money off of touring and performing more so than the selling of their music because they had to recoup against the, the making of that product. Yeah. So they didn't make the money off the record sales. They made the money off of the touring. Wow. So once they understood that and, and once they realized everything was, was uh, recouped, had to be recouped. Yeah. So I called it the I have arrived syndrome when um, an artist would get signed and they their ego would get in the way and they'd want to be in the best of limos. And I'd say, well, you know, that's going to go against your bill, right? It's going to have to be recouped. <laughs> You're literally paying for that. Yeah. You really want to do that? Because none of this is free. You know, so even at the video shoots and you see in the mansions and the bling, most of it's rented. Yeah. And the what you keep, you still got to pay for. <laughs> so crazy. it's a business. So when it's all said and done, if you don't manage your money well, you are negative. You have to learn that you have a talent and your product is a business. And you have to really understand that. You don't, a lot of artists will rely on other business um, experts for it. And you really have to understand it. Like I heard one of the uh, um, advice that Bill Cosby gave to Oprah was always sign all your own checks, no matter how much money you make. And that's true. You want to be in control of your finances because people rip you off. Totally, Definitely. it happens. I think even nowadays, comedians, like, it happens to everyone. Artists that have gotten like just screwed in their contracts and they overpaid. That's I don't know. It's you it's have a, to understand a contract. So the business is made up. They want you to be a dumb artist because that's how they're going to make money off of. Yeah. So I used to get in trouble a lot because I would educate the artists. Yeah. And so I'd get called in. I was like the rebel. Like, <laughs> Why do you keep educating the artist? Because I'd be like. Look at your contract. Because oh, the other thing I did, it, 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 you have to go in as an entrepreneurial mindset. So when, when I would enter a job, I got to know everyone. Yeah. And I treated everyone the same from the CEO down. And the people that I really become friends with were the assistants because they're the gatekeepers. And, uh, and the uh, mailroom because you need the money. And the accounting person who's actually processing the invoices. That's true. <laughs> right i don't no. need the executive they don't do the work i need indians i need to be friends with the indians i'm an indian yeah. i'm not the chief i have no interest in the chief yeah i'm interested in the people just doing the work that's gonna put mine at the top of the no, pile of that, they're <laughs> the ones so, that get the ball rolling so and so you want no no you want to treat everyone equally and the same because they all got jobs to do and they all will help you tenfold if you treat them with respect and treat them equally. So that was something I always did. I always made sure I knew their names, knew their, you know, knew their children's names, knew their birthdays. And I think because you want to treat people with respect and they, I would always get the work, my work done or get things accomplished that others couldn't be able to. Like, How come she, she's so nice to you? Well, because I respect her yeah, or him, you know, so that was important uh, as well. So you want to come in with, with, with uh, humility and you want to come in, um, like I said, with that eagerness to learn because people love to talk about themselves. That was another thing in interviews. I always got jobs through um, temporary agencies or temporary work. Or when I would interview, I would ask them, what's your vision? And how do you see this position yeah. to implement your vision? Because they're not really interested in you. They're interested in whether you can do the, their job that's available, right? So you don't want to, when they say, you know, like, tell me about yourself, they're not interested. 
the interviewer is not really interested. <laughs> yeah. You want to turn it back around and say, okay, here's how I can, uh, here's how I'm qualified for the job and how I can enhance your vision or implement your vision. So I would always throw the question out there at an interview. So what's your vision and how do you see this position uh, implementing the vision? Because I, that's why I'm here, to help your dream, not mine. Yeah, yeah, you know, exactly. I'm only as good as your vi- vision, your vision. And I always tell uh, potential employers, I'm loyal to your vision, not even to you. Because you, you can get in your way. So if you're telling me the vision is to Do make it. this bottle of ketchup, yeah. I'm going to stay on task to make the bottle of ketchup, even though you may switch to mustard. You yeah. need to tell me you switched to mustard because I'm still on the path to the, making the ketchup. Does no, that make sense? Yeah, 100%. Totally. Like, no, no, no. You switch to mustard. Total sense. You need to let me know. And, and a true leader's job for an executive is to constantly enroll their team into their vision every day. It's motivational. Definitely. Right? Because the true definition of authentic power is to get people to do what you want them to do because they want to do it. Yep. That's enrollment, right? So as a leader... As a business owner, as a vice president, whatever of your team, you want to be able. What can I do to enroll them every day into getting this done? Yeah, that's 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 why the most valuable asset in a company is the employee. So was it very competitive? Uh, and I'm sure it's very competitive today. Just in uh, the competition is so much. Just in LA and all these big cities, was that a thing even then? Like we're interning or working at a, a management company like that. Did you always have uh, like competition thing where? Well, here was- I, my competition was with myself. So okay. when I entered, I was like, okay, I'm gonna give myself three years to learn everything I need to know in this job, and what's the next level, right? So by the time once I build the rapport with the boss, with my boss, yeah, you know, I would go in and we do an eva- we do an evaluation, not necessarily like the formal one, but I'd go, okay, here's what I'm looking to do. Okay, I would be very open. Here's what I'm looking to do. Because you have to be a well-oiled machine, especially when you're an assistant. Yeah. Because you're with them nine to five, and you've you got to keep them organized. That's yeah. the key. And you, you want to be the gatekeeper. And so I would make sure I would meet, talk to them first thing in the morning. So I would always get there early before them to get all my personal drama out the way and have my <laughs> coffee, right? Because they're not hiring me to do that. And then I would meet with them and we'd go over because something could change. They're having calls, taking meetings, you know, after hours. So I need to know if something shifted. So then they would tell me, here's your day's agenda. Here's what's going on. The day would go by. Then I would make sure I'd meet them 15 minutes before I left to say, here's your next day schedule. Is there anything to change differently? So there's this well-oiled machine yeah. um, happening. But once they got, we got that rapport and that trust, which takes a period of time. So you don't want to go right away saying, here's what I want to do the next level because they're not going to trust you. Yeah, so yeah. you have to show them that you're committed to the job, you're committed to them. And you can go, here's my next interest. So even though I was in promotions, I wasn't the partier. So I knew promotions. I couldn't stay in there. <laughs> I was like, I don't party. I'm not, yeah. I don't want to party with artists, which was unusual because a lot of people caught well, up in the glam. Yeah, yeah, for but sure. But if I'm with you eight hours a day, I surely don't. I had my own friends. Yeah, own you want to just do your own thing for <laughs> I sure. I had no interest. So I, um, I didn't quite understand what I was doing because there's no – it's not like being a lawyer or a doctor, right? Yeah. So um, I had the opportunity to meet with a, pr- a, a former, another president and said, here's what I do. What is that called? And he was like, oh, that's product management. And I was like, that's what I want to be, a product manager. Yeah. So then I had a title with it because I like the glue to the pages and yeah. getting the the, the you know getting you know the departments together and keeping them on schedule and get you know that's where I found the joy 
So it was product management. So then I knew what the title was. Then I started talking to product managers. And I was like, okay, how do I do that? You know, so I was always had this entrepreneurial mindset, never neglecting the job I was already doing. And so I acted as if. So once I found out the title, even though I'm an assistant, I would come in dressed and acting like a product manager. Yeah. So it was an easy transition when I became that. Did it take you long for that whole journey? or um, For product, it took me about five years because I really had to learn promotions yeah. and um, and learn that I don't like it because <laughs> <laughs> I had, to, uh, you know, because uh, I worked like 80 hours a day. It was a test. Cause wow. they, you know, cause I was, they knew I was a learner and a worker yeah, yeah. and they were going, they were piling it on. Don't, you know, they're going to take advantage of a hard 100%. worker, but I was so interested in learning, but I would go to like, let's say if I go to lunch with the assistant to the business manager yeah. who dealt with contract, they would teach me about contract. Or let's say I'd go hang out at sales department. Did not learn about sales. So I was always learning. Right. And, um, and A&R, I was like, what's A&R, you know? And so then I would go to the A&R department, you know, and they, and they'd call me in the studio and they'd be like, cause I'd work after hours or yeah, whatever. Yeah. And they'd be like, Doris, it's dinner time. Come to the studio. And then I'd walk in and Bruce Springsteen sitting there, That's but you crazy. couldn't get excited because it was business, Yeah. but they would be teaching me about studio work. So they knew I was that's, always going to learn. Experience. So that's wow. It was fun. It was that part was fun, and I never, you know, I never did the drugs or slept around. That was just not my thing. Um, but how was like? Did did you ever go to those parties or anything? But I had to. I'm, this is this is really crazy. So for the first year, no one knew what I looked like, and I was like, because <laughs> I was not interested. They they knew me, and yeah, I was yeah, like yeah. cool and all. And so I'll never forget my boss called. She's like, you are not going to advance in your career if you don't go to these award shows yeah. and Grammys. I was like, I don't want to dress up and do that. I'm not interested in that. I work with y'all all day. I don't want to do that. He was like, Doris, in order to advance your career, you got to do the glamour part. It's part of it, yeah. So he paid me triple time to go to an award show. And I was like, okay, fine. So I dressed all up and went. And, they, and so when people were meeting me, they were like, oh, my God, you're a dog driver. Not that I'm all that, but they just didn't. Yeah, yeah. They couldn't believe how cool I was and I could glamour it up. And they were like, oh, my gosh, I had no idea. Wow. So, And I didn't want that kind of attention because there was a lot of, uh, as you know, Me Too and sexism. And I didn't yeah, want to get, sure. not that I didn't get in those situations yeah, because yeah. They're, they're unavoidable. You just have to have your own personal integrity. But I didn't want to deal with that So, because um, they knew I was strictly business. Yeah. Like, they, they heard Doris. They were like, oh, she business. You yeah. know, there was no. So, um. So that part was fun. So I went, I, you know, I did it and I got paid triple time. So I that's was like, amazing. okay. <laughs> but to get paid that much and then go to a award show, that's you awesome. You have to. But it's boring. Boy, is it? To be a award show is a booyah yeah, because you got to sit there. You can't really go to the bathroom. And when you do, you got to stay out to the next set. I mean, you know, oh, it's film. It's filming, yeah, right? Yeah, that's true. And then you go to the after party. It's, it's to be is boring. So, so. Wow. You know, I'm not I'm not caught up in... Uh, even with the mingling with, uh, like, just artists and stuff like that. Well, remember, artists saw me as business, right? So if they're mingling, we're discussing business because they know who are their fans. Now, it doesn't mean I didn't like their music or like their work. Yeah, yeah. I, they saw me as part of their team in business I see, yeah. because I kept it that way. Yeah. Um. So I'm going to speed up here because I know yeah. the time is going to get crazy. So I did that, um, and then um, I worked with uh, in product management, and then I had this opportunity. Um, and, and there were times I left my my career because it got to be too much, 22 hour days. It was wow, crazy. That's crazy though. And it's so I, I took you. some breaks. Um, there was some uh, um harassment. 
but I deal with harassment a little differently. I can give you humor, but I'm also strong in my no. Yeah. <laughs> and so um, that could, that got a little tiring because once I got out there, then you know, all, then it was like, okay, now she fresh meat, and I was like, okay, I got to deal with that too. So, and that's in, that's the way it works in in that industry. I'm um, so it's just you have to have a strong sense of um, of personal ethics that you're not willing to cross. And I also was doing a spiritual path yeah. at the same time. So long story short, I left A&M. The boss, the M of A&M called me one day and said, why'd you leave my company? So then I worked for him, which he was like the godfather of the godfathers. So wow. he really taught me the business. So what he, how he taught me the business real quickly was I, I still became, I went from product manager down to the assistant. And he kept, he positioned me in front of his office door and kept the door open it allowed me to sit in on meetings. Oh, wow. Then would call me in and say, "Okay, what's your what, what'd you learn?" Wow. Now I'm getting the overhead perspective because he and that's he, pretty he, big he, too. Him, so that's yeah. the corporate like, level. I he I'm learning the big picture of how it works now, right? Because he's up there. So yeah, see, definitely. It's like seeing the the ball that's red and blue, and now you see both colors. If that because wow. you're above it. Yeah, yeah. So that was fascinating. So I did that for a while. And um, then he said, where you want to, what do you want to do where you want to go? So um, I chose working with uh, a new co- uh, uh, producers, Jimmy Jam, Terry Lewis, who started their own record company. And I said, I want to do that. So he had me there um, for a while. And then, uh, then all I knew was R&B music. Because remember, you have to do what you love. And all yeah. I knew and love was R&B music. And I was like, you know what? After a year, I was like, I, I need to be out of my comfort zone. So then I went to private music, which was all new age. Oh. So that's Ringo Starr, Tangerine Dream, Yachty. Nothing about that music, right? So I ended up getting a position and assisted the president and also handled the international side. So I had that's never worked big. Wow. like international yeah. distribution. So I learned about distribution because I didn't know anything about it. And so I was able to work there for about a year and learned a whole different um, aspect aspect much, of right? music and how that worked. Then from there, um, I left the industry. I was burnt out. I'll be honest. I was yeah. Like, I'm tired. I was in my late twenties. I was like, I'm done. I'm like early. 30s. Is it always like usually more than what twelve hours a day? Yeah. It's like film and production. You wow. yeah. You you're. It's nonstop. It's nonstop. Especially Five if days it's a, a week hit. too, or seven days. If no. it's a hit, you got to keep moving. You don't stop because that's crazy. you only as good as your last hit, but, right? Yeah, that's so true. So you got the momentum. You got to keep doing the work. Wow. Um, so I left for about a year just to do something different and yeah. got. Now this is how God works. Got a call. From Leslie. Remember the lady who taught me how to be a secretary? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Doris, uh, Doris, Jerry wants you to come work for this company. And I was like, what? Oh, she's like, and I was like, you know what? I'm going to go work for him because I won't get harassed by him. He's known me since I was 15. Yeah. She won't. She'll. She's my protective. This. Yeah. So I trust these people. I won't get harassed. So yeah. I was like, okay, I'll come in. Now I don't know what my title was because I never cared about titles. Remember, I cared about. I, I had a. I had a motto: pay me or pay me no attention. Yeah. As long as you didn't mess with my money. That wasn't my goal. Yeah, Remember, matter. my vision was to learn, educate artists, and be compensated. Yeah. That was my... So I went in and I started working um, at this company. It was only seven of us. And I was like, this is bizarre. Yeah. So after a while, they called me and they said, well, we just want you to know that this is Michael Jackson's record company wow. called MJJ Music. Wow. So, of course, he's the top of the top. Of now, course, yeah. I didn't just get there overnight. That's eight years later. You so that means I had dues and they've been watching. He had Definitely. been watching me 
Because you never know who's watching you either. That's true. So that means he was watching me for eight years and, and checking in on me without me knowing for eight years. How she doing? What she doing? Who she, you know, so it's a good thing I didn't party, do drugs. Because he, see, I didn't know he was watching me all that time. Yeah, seriously. So he was checking in. So uh, so it was MJJ Music. And it. Um, so we were able, the beauty about working for that company is because it was only seven of us, you never knew what you were going to do. You well, so just get, different you drugs. just get thrown in a pool with sharks and you better swim. Wow. So you could get a call and say, I need you to be the vice president of publicity and take the artist round to their interviews. Wow. That is cool. And you though. couldn't wow. say no, right? So you say, Okay. So on my way to the interviews, getting ready to meet the artist, I'm calling a publicist friend of mine going, How do I do this? Wow. Right? And that's the way to do so it. But is, wasn't that a, more fun like that? Oh, it was amazing. Because you had like a it different job freaking, every day. It that's was freaking amazing. Wow. I need you to come and be A and R. Call <laughs> up a colleague. Hey, what does that mean? <laughs> it was so much wow. fun. And and you had to cause because of Michael's standards, yeah. You couldn't say no because in his consciousness it, he was a genius. There's no no. So he was like, you know, you just rose to the occasion or you didn't. And if you didn't do well, you had to admit it and then they would help you, but you uh, wanted to at least figure it out. Like try it out hundred percent. So that's the other lesson. You wanna always be solution oriented. So when you get a challenge, you want to exhaust all your resources before you go to your supervisor or yeah. your boss and say, you don't want to be the one known as always coming in with the problems and no solutions. But you also don't want to lie yeah, about yeah. it either. You want to say, I've done all we this. Can hurt, we can hurt you so you're a team run. player, right? Yeah. I've, this is all I thought to do, but I still can cross the finish line. Yeah. Is there something that I'm missing? Because this is all I have tried to do and it's not working. So you want to always do that because then that's going to lead your reputation will lead you oh she's not going to fake it or put us in a situation yeah so that was very exciting and then real quickly now remember i'm in music yeah <laughs> and so finally i knew i couldn't do a and r because i was too honest because if you couldn't sing i was going to say so <laughs> and that- <laughs> so that was not good. They were like, okay, she can't be an A&R. I was like, you can't sing. <laughs> That's funny, though. So that part wasn't good. So I still was product managing yeah. pretty much. So here's what's interesting how you have to – this is another lesson. You have to stay open to change. Yeah. Because that's the most consistent thing in life is change. So I'm I'm doing my work, um, um, doing whatever they ask me to do, and a script gets thrown on my desk, a script. Wow. Wow. I'm like, I'm not, I don't know anything about the script. So I'm told to read this script because they want to do the soundtrack. Yeah. And I'm like, I don't even know what to think about this, but okay, I go home, I read the script. I stay up all night reading the script. I come back, I'm teary-eyed, I'm crying. I'm like, we got to do this soundtrack. Wow. <laughs> and the script was far as go. Wow. No way. I'm like, we got to do this soundtrack. Well, Epic took it <laughs> from us. Wow. Somebody else was reading the script and realized it was an excellent movie. Wow. So Epic ends up doing the uh, soundtrack. But that was like my introduction to script reading and, and opinion. So then another script gets thrown at me and they're like, you need to do this. This was during uh, this MJJ is, I'm music? At, I'm working at MJJ wow. and I show up to work and they throw a script on my desk. That's amazing. Because you never knew what you were going to do, right? Yeah. So another script gets thrown on my desk. You got to read this. And I'm like, they, they want, you know, this guy wants Michael to star in it. And it was a musical play. 
Wow. And I'm like, we're not, he's not in the theater business. Well, little did people know, uh, Michael owned like 10 companies. One was a film. One, he was interested in entering theater. Oh, wow. And so he, he was, a um, he owned MJJ, um, inter, you know, productions, which was like yeah. the umbrella company. So he had a lot of companies. So I go home and I read this script and it's like amazing. And I'm like, oh my God, this is amazing, right? So I call up the author and I go, you don't know me, but I just read your script. And I'm going to make this a priority project inside the company. Now, yeah. remember, I'm friends with what? All the assistants, the, yeah. the Indians. Yeah, yeah. So I'm going to enroll them because I'm liking this. So, and Michael, he wanted to be in the theater. So we work after hours. I said, I'm going to become partners in this and we're going to be creative and I'm, we're going to create a marketing campaign inside the company so your project gets noticed Yeah. to get fruition so real quickly so we work day and night i mean i do my job during the day i meet you know larry and we going over the script we we strategize it and i literally strategize his career which taught me artist development yeah without realizing it yeah because i'm strategizing you need a manager you need you need to showcase so we doing all this after hours and there's hype so then it was such a brilliant project that when we he finally performed it he was getting standing ovations everywhere so now there's this hype coming up, and I'm inviting people I know in the industry, wow. the executives. Yeah, you come see this musical called Sisterella. You know, and so and it was at the Center Grill, and we played the Center Grill for like six weeks, and it was like sold out, standing ovations, wow. and they were like, "What's going on? What is this?" So finally, um, we get a, you know, now I'm learning the theater business. Remember, I'm music industry, but now yeah. I'm in theater, and I'm like, "Okay, God, you know." So so he finally gets to present it to 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 Michael. And um, and it's and he wants him to star in it because it was introducing MTV audience into theater because theater was dying. Yeah, right? yeah. Young people were getting they were interested, so we made it like surround sound and using Michael's music, and he just created this brilliant thing. I sort of brought it in, and so long story short, we strategized that he's doing all of the creative part. Yeah, you know, choreographer, actors. I'm doing the business side. Sure inside the music so what yeah. happened was mdj created a demo deal for him so he was able to create the music in the studio and that was my area to make sure he did yeah. the music and did it in the, t- in the product manager right so he's got a quote demo deal so he creates all the music on cd now you know in theater is live orchestra <laughs> this play wasn't a live orchestra it was all cd wow wow right which is unheard of so we're doing it and it's something new so he presents it to michael michael says i don't want to star in it but i want to present it so i'll give you my name and i give you authorization to use my music yeah so that's what started this ball rolling so we're we're it's it's snowballing it's snowballing so then we end up at the pasadena playhouse for six weeks wow. it's sold out every every show there so now in the meantime he needs financing so i i found some investors so then my title changes to associate producer now i don't know they <laughs> they're telling me i'm that but yeah. i'm just making it happen right so they're like you're now an associate producer i'm like okay because you brought money and i'm like yeah. uh, contributors i was like okay so i'm still doing the day job yeah and still doing this job wow so it's creating hypes Artic kevin costner came oj simpson came wow. share people wow. are coming because they're hearing about it lost now michael has yet to see it but he has his name on it. Yeah. <laughs> it's crazy, right? So it's really, it, it ends up being a super, super hit. Finally, the way, I, I'll share this, the way Michael came to see it was his mother loved it. So she would oh, always she come and bring the grandkids and we would have to 
she had her own certain yeah, rug she yeah, liked, yeah. so she kept coming to see it. So finally, she asked me, she said, has Michael seen this? And so what better way to get any person to do something is to tell their mama. Right? So <laughs> Definitely. I was like, no, ma'am. She was like, what? So next thing you know, mama must have called and He's said, you in. better come. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's how we got him there. Cause she asked me and I told the truth. I was like, no, ma'am. She was like, oh, no. And so next thing you know, Mike was coming. I was like, okay, wow. nothing like the mother. So that's <laughs> big. So, so quickly, um, we, we ended up, he ended up seeing it. He loved it. His promoter decided to take it to Germany. So I'm telling you the story because you always got to be open. You don't know what what it can lead to. Yeah, definitely. Take. So next thing you know, they want to take it to Germany. And I just, as a spiritual exercise, said, I'm ready to see the world. And I bought a passport, not knowing. Then the, my, um, then I get called in. So you ready to go to Germany? I'm like, what? So next thing you know, we're promoting, we're doing this show in Germany. I was only supposed to be there a month. So I kept my apartment. Here. I'm yeah. thinking I'm only going to be gone a month. Well, a month turned into nine months. Wow. And That's- to Germany. So I had never been out the country like that. So it was it so that was crazy. And then from there, um the former uh, uh the BD's concert promoter saw it. And so he was like, well, I want to bring it to Australia. And so we were <laughs> like, you know, so next you know, we're off to Australia and I'm wow. there a year. Is that yes. a pretty typical thing? Does that well if it's a hit and it works and 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 I would say I don't know. Because why I, don't, why I don't know is because these were concert promoters wanting to do a musical. Okay. Now, the distinction between a concert promoter is they, they you know, the artist is in for like a couple of days and then they're gone. Well, theaters sit down. Different. Yeah. Different. <laughs> so it got, completely well, bad. and concert promoters can make quick money without. Not the down concert promoters, but they can, you know, they can make money because of quick turnaround. Yeah. Sure. But when you're in a sit down theater, you can see the numbers. Yeah. And I was in charge of that. Wow. <laughs> so I'll give you an example. Not to badmouth concert promoters, but for instance, let's say if you in a, a thousand seat arena, uh-huh. because you're only there certain days, they can add in 200 more chairs and you wouldn't know it. Oh, and wow. And your paperwork says a thousand. So you multiply the ticket sales times two, three hundred. That's their profit. Wow. Well, you wow. do that with a sit down. I'm eventually figure that out. No, because I'm there longer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'm counting the seat. That's that's crazy though. Wow. But that's you. You the artist would never know that because they're on to the next city. Oh yeah, exactly. They're, the they're doing the the, 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 the art city. part of it. Yeah yeah yeah, 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 yeah. So they're on to the next city. How would they know I add, that the person added two hundred? No, of course. They're on to the next one, right? That's crazy. But a sit down six weeks. You have, have to be aware, definitely. <laughs> I mean, you got to be on top of it too, though. Like when you say teaching the artist, like the business side of it, that's big part of the business. So, I have think. you uh, managed, like, just managed the artist by yourself? Is that well, you I ended up doing? when I was on tour with the theater, overseeing most of the cast. So I yeah. was known as Mama Sa, <laughs> because I had remember I'm representing Michael. Yeah, so you can't do anything crazy because Michael's gonna get in the press. Sure. Yeah. So I was known as the killjoy you know (laughs) here come mama song so i felt like i was managing because at that time you know and the dancers were young they were like 19 18 never out the country so it was like having kids you know it was like you better be show up on time don't party in this club don't be sick i mean it was constant you know you were really just on you had to be on top of everything everything. troubleshooting and everything 
That's crazy. It was crazy. Interview. But did you enjoy the producer? Oh, I loved it because when you do what you love, I didn't even know it was worth it. Exactly. Yeah, I mean, but I was like twenty-two hour days, and it was it was crazy fun. I never traded the experience. The uh, art author was out of control. I mean, he was just a genius, and I always say the flip side of genius is insanity. So he had his insane side, and <laughs> but it was it sounded very successful though. That's very crazy. successful. Um, uh, it ended up. It was supposed to be Broadway bound, but you know what's interesting with geniuses is they will destroy their 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 own self and their projects. And unfortunately, that's what happened. He didn't have a great business sense. He and when and people when you get into a lot of money and a yeah. lot of fame, it amplifies all aspects of your personality, and that's what people don't understand. Yeah. Fame is like a dragon. You either ride it or it's gonna ride you. And you, that's what amplifies. So, so your insecurities get amplified. All that gets amplified yeah. when you become famous and successful. Um, and so, unfortunately, that happened with him. So he got into um, lots of um, discrepancies and, and power uh, plays and with fights with the produ- promoters and producers. Yeah. And so it ended up basically not moving forward in in um in uh the actual Broadway. And Broadway's a hard click to enter unless you're a Disney and just you bully your mm. way in like buy a theater and, and say I'm putting Lion King here. Yeah. Which is what yeah. they did. Um it's hard to get into. So it ended up um not going as far, but I put like five years of I put five years of my life on hold for that project. Wow. Because wow. it was is that isn't that long for that type of project though? That's really long, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, it should have been done technically way. I didn't expect to be out of the country for a year now, but I was still paying my rent. People thought I was crazy. So, and then I was shell shocked when I came back, and I I met Dan because I had an opportunity again. People remember how you make them feel. I had a friend who uh, I worked who owned a temp agency, and she called me, and she was, and I was burnt out. You guys, you understand? I was burnt out on the level. Um, and I actually uh ended that when I ended. Working for the musical, I also ended working for Michael because that's a roller coaster. And I remember I'm doing the spiritual side. And what happens with when you work for successful artists or famous people, it's like a vacuum and it's surreal because you're living vicariously through someone else's fame and fortune. Yeah. So I'll give you a funny story real quickly in Australia. We're in a penthouse at somebody's house drinking Don Perignon and the whole <laughs> like the limo, the whole thing, yeah. which was great. And I did the pride, all that stuff. And I looked over at the guy at the Larry the Creator. I was like, "How much money you got in your pocket?" He was like, "I got like a hundred. And I was like, "So do I." And we just started laughing because it had nothing to do with us. Yeah, it had yeah. to do with me having Michael's famous feet emblem yeah. on my business card, right? So I started really doing some soul searching, and I was like, I don't want to be sixty living vicariously through someone else's fame. And then sure. you're also at the mercy of that artist, right? Yeah. Because they can walk in tomorrow and say, I want a whole new team, Staff which is or, what yeah. he was famous for doing because he liked having, as you can see, like hip and, yeah. and, and most current and young energy around him. And so every three years, he would revamp his staff. And oh, if wow. you worked beyond three years, you were good, right? So but he also had people in his life that kept him ethically and morally straight. Yeah. You know, so if you had integrity, he recognized that. Wow. So, um, so 
toward the end, I was just burnt out, I'll be honest. And I was like, okay, I got, I can't do this for a while. I'm just going to take some time off. And then I got a call from a friend who owned a temp agency. He said, can you help this this uh, nice gentleman out at the at a television production company? And I was like, I don't know anything. And she's like, but it's just who you are. You're organized and you motivate people. Yeah, yeah. I just need you to do that. He, so that's when I ended up um, working for um at that time it was called pearson television and and here's what i thought okay african-american woman i've already now known music i know theater i'm gonna learn television if i learn film i'm gonna be <laughs> all this right? seriously so i was like okay i'll take it so yeah. i ended up assisting the cfo and he was he was easy he was easy to organize and and great to get along with yeah but i'd be done with my work by noon and i was bored you know and so finally I was noticing, uh, as you guys know, Mr. Dan Watanabe was yeah. an executive at Pearson. And yeah, he was brilliant. Cool. I'd sit the meets and I'd be like, he is just brilliant, right? Yeah. And so I noticed that um, he wasn't advancing like he should. And so uh, I remember coming to him and saying, I will get you promoted in a year if you teach me everything about the television industry. Yeah. So we had a pack. So then I went to my boss and said, can I sit in on his pitch? meetings yeah because i want to learn about the television industry and and my boss taught me about the finances because in 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 any entertainment industry you want to learn about the how it's financed oh yeah that is the foundation of any entertainment uh industry you are interested in Yeah, yeah right you have to understand how the finance works so he was teaching me the finances and Dan was teaching me the production, creative development piece to it. And uh, I'll quickly tell this story on air. So how I got him promoted was um, in the industry, we call this poker. We do call it a different name, but I don't want to say it on air. <laughs> um, and I said, you need to come in dressed. And what we're, the poker is you want to act like another company's after you to get the company that's yeah. comfortable with you kind of on edge. You have to look the part. Yeah. So he would come in a suit every two weeks. And I say, well, people think, you know, people are going to joke and say, oh, are you interviewing? Just laugh it off because, you know, so he did that. And I said, and start being more aggressive in meetings and speaking your mind because he was brilliant. Yeah. Speak your mind and, and share your ideas. And with the president, I don't even, you know, I don't care if it's in the men's room, elevator, always pitch. So another key uh, uh, value is when you're in your work environment, you don't want to overly, you do want to say what you want to do, but you don't want to go in always saying, I want to be a director when you're an assistant. Oh, yeah. That's not what they hired you for. Yeah, exactly. But if you have an idea and you have access to the top, always say practice your 30 second pitch, right? Yeah. If you're in the elevator, Oprah, you have an idea, you got 30 seconds. So you practice that. So Dan actually did that with the president. And I said, do it in the men's room. I don't know what goes on in the men's room, but I know not to look down when you're doing it. So I, I, so he, I said, so he's in the men's room, whatever y'all do. So he pitched that. And so he just started changing and people start seeing him differently. Yeah. Now, who did I work for? The CFO. Yeah. Which means all of the executive contracts went through my desk, and we go back to what I first said, and when we were talking, you read everything. Yeah, yeah. So when Dan's contract came up, I was like, "You guys, you know, you're gonna lose him, right? If you don't promote him, the vice president." Yeah. 
he's out of here. Don't you notice he's been wearing a suit every two weeks? I mean, he's interviewed. <laughs> so they had no idea I was the one that was, yeah, yeah, yeah. that had, you know, strategized this. So the boss was like, oh my gosh, you're right. So he runs to the president and they give him his promotion. Nice. Wow. So you have to know your worth and you have, especially because he had been there like 15 years, that right? A long so you got to know your worth yeah. and you got to say, you know what? You're not going to devalue me. And so he was able to get, um, so I, he taught, as you can see, he taught me the industry. And then I will share this on air because I don't care if he's listening or not. <laughs> I remember in a pitch meeting, what he would do is hear the pitch and then reject it uh-huh. and then teach the person how to pitch it. He would right. do it constantly. And I finally looked at him, I said, you should teach. And he thought I was nuts. He was like, Are you, I can't teach. I said, you really should teach. And here we are, how many years later? <laughs> he's he's yeah, teaching and, and number like one of the number one teachers. For sure. So because he would he felt bad to say no. Yeah. So then he would tell them how to teach. So I'm putting it out there. Um what I going back to the very first question of what we're doing now is I started a consulting company. Dan Watanabe's a part of it. Yeah. Because during our um let me just real quickly, so I did the the industry for a while. It's a young person's industry, I believe. Mm-hmm. So when hip hop and rap start coming in, I knew it was time for me not to go back in because I'm too honest. <laughs> work. A lot of people would have heard no. Yeah, would have not worked for yeah. me. And if you talk to, but me, I think they might. I, well, think, I swear, if, if somebody like you was in there now. It would be a lot, maybe better of an industry. Well, thank you, but I mean, and if you talk crazy to me, that was not gonna work. Okay, <laughs> so, but I have a dear friend, if, if I, and I will see if she'll do a podcast with you. She stayed in it, and if you met her, you would never know that she was in hip hop or oh, she was wow. part of. She no, she's actually definitely. owner of Rap Pages Television. Well, her wow. demeanor, you would never know. She, wow. they all respect her and love her, and. You know, she was there with the Ice Cube and Tupac and wow. and the whole, all of that. You know, I left. I was like, I can't, I can't. So, um, but it felt great to leave on a high note. Uh, it was an honor to work for Michael Jackson and the That's team. Delicious. It was an honor to work for the artist. It was, it's a career I'm proud of. Um. I didn't go in it to get rich and get famous. I yeah. went in it and did what I was I set I feel out like to do. That's very important. That's an important thing to go in if you're really passionate about doing something. Because if you're gonna go about the money, it's I don't think you're going you to have feel a long fulfilled that, like Well, that. you know, it's a, it's a, it, it, remember, it's built on ego and built on subject of, of, of emotion and, and all that. And it's loosely in its morals and ethics. And, and, and I'll be honest. So I wasn't willing to compromise those things. You, you can compromise them. Sure. And I wasn't materialistic. So yeah. they didn't have any vice. And I didn't really have a vice. Yeah. You know. Besides chocolate, I mean, that wasn't going to, you know. So That's I'm a just, good advice. yeah. But you know what I mean. So it was like she, I, we can't shake her. Yeah. And I did what I set out to do, which was educate artists and 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 really help them along in their careers. And unfortunately, the person that wrote Sisterella, he uh, years ago committed suicide. So that was sad to oh. hear. Um, because he was brilliant. Um, but again, I think the flip side to, to genius is, is insanity. And so yeah. unfortunately he did do that. So God rest his soul, Larry Hart. Um, but memories that I'll never forget. Um, but again, it's a young business. It's, 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 it's always con- changing. It's right? constantly changing and so forth. I was meaning to ask you, um, like what, especially with music, there's Spotify, Pandora, and for movies, there's Netflix and Amazon and Hulu. How has that affected the business today? Well, I think now it's empowered the artists. Like I was, I was the the one that they would send to the meetings. Remember when um, oh, 
before Apple came on, oh, I'm blanking, I'm so sorry, where um, the industry was, uh, we used to have to get like like ratings from BMI. Okay. Yes. You know, remember yeah. those? All right, remember, uh, but we didn't have to do that anymore. So when when we we knew back in the day that artists were going go to be, to be go, able to go directly to the consumer, and uh. they didn't believe us. I'm trying to forget, not iTunes. What was before iTunes? I'm blanking. I'm so sorry. Uh, when music went straight to the music, was uh, it's not like, Napster, right? No, it's be it's before then. I'm blanking. I'm Ooh, so sorry. Wow. I should do okay. my homework. But anyway, I kept saying this is the new trend. Yeah, and and the record industry didn't believe it because remember we had record stores and one stops and yeah, I was yeah. like that's about to be eliminated. It's that's gonna go straight to to yeah, to uh, on you know straight to the consumer. So they did not believe that for a long time. They thought. That's crazy. So here we are. So what it did was it empowered artists. And then the beauty about with the hip hop, that's why hip hop was here to stay. People were like, oh, it's not. It's a, it's a fad. No, it's no. not. Because they were coming in as entrepreneurs. They were coming in saying, we already have a distribution, you know, yeah. a marketing. We already sold 100,000 copies we have a on the street. Yeah. So we want to create autonomy. We don't need to do this, this crazy deal with you. Yeah. Right. Cause we already, so they were coming in as businessmen, and then a lot of them, so a lot of them were street businessmen. Yeah, saying that nicely, <laughs> so you couldn't, you couldn't, you know, fool them. Yeah, they came in with that street knowledge yeah. as an entrepreneur, businessman, and they just switched it to legit. So you had to really understand that. So I think it empowered artists, and I think. Um, if you study what the late Prince was doing, which was creating record companies with no contracts, strictly artist strong. Wow. Wow. That was the future where That's they just incredible. artists got together and they had enough business savvy and they could sell directly to the consumer. 100%. Through social now media. It's very you didn't need a record company. Right. Yeah. Because before when the one stops left, you only need a record company to distribute. But now you don't need that anymore. And then it took away album and CD sales because you didn't need to buy the whole CD to listen to your favorite song. You just Seriously. download, download that, one that one song. Seriously. Yeah. So it empowered it empowered artists. Wow. But it's, they had and it forced them to learn business, which is what I was trying to do 20 years ago. Right. It forced them to understand business because you had to read those reports. Um, so I think the set what took away from it was the authentic, genuine music, which okay. I think history repeats itself and it's going to go full circle. Yeah. You're going to have to go back to old school recording where people want real genuine instruments. And 100%. I personally believe that that's going to come back and you're only as good as your live performance. Even though it's YouTube and you could tweak it, yeah. it's going to really count if your live performance isn't up to up to par. The beauty about Michael Jackson's, Janet, Beyonce, their live shows are, are amazing. Are amazing. That's why they had, and it's, it's so sold constant. out. Like, and it's a workmanship, and you're getting it all. Yeah, right? it's nonstop. They never stop. It's just a they they, they come up with an album. Another one comes up at the same. But not time. even that. Well, they have a team for that. Sure. But what I'm saying is the quality of the music. Is yeah. up to par live as it is you downloading no, you're right, and because recording, like, and that's gonna make or break an artist. If you can't pull it off live, it's yeah. gonna it's gonna it's gonna it's decrease your sales. Like, I feel like a lot of uh, artists today they can't pull it off live. A lot that's of them. my point. Like uh, with maybe a Lady Gaga, Beyonce could pull it off live, but a lot of artists because they're can't. not doing they're they're jumping, skipping steps. You can't skip steps. You still gotta learn the craft. I was able to work with the late Barry White. 
And one of the things he said to me, I mean, he said a lot of things I won't repeat on the air, but he, <laughs> one of the things he said is you have to master your craft. And the new generations don't want to master the craft. They just, you know, and they're, they're making money not off the talent, but off their, their brand, right? Off yeah. the hype, off the look, off the, you know, and that's the sad part. Um, but you gotta you gotta pull it off live, that's and true. if you can't pull it off live, that's a true artist. And right this there. and this audience in the United States is very fickle. Europeans and and also and uh, and all the Asian companies very loyal. So a lot of artists make money overseas even though they live here because yeah. their fan base is loyal. Americans aren't loyal. We only you're only good as your last hit. That's true. Unless you you establish yourself where you can come out with something every five years and you have. A set fan base, yeah. which is an older crowd, right? Yeah. You know, if if you know if uh, I'm trying to think, if an artist comes out, you know, a Sting come out, you gonna buy it, still buy a song, yeah, right? you know. Um, so Rolling Stones do a, an album, you gonna buy it, <laughs> you know. Um, so because they have a built-in audience, audience but these new upcoming artists, it's a challenge because, and they're they're cookie cutter. Where's yeah. the where's the where where are you being original? The upside to young artists, especially in hip hop, was what did they bring back? Old music via samples. Yeah, that was the sure. initial. So that that was yeah. great. That That's was what, right after disco. Like hip hop started with sampling. It was with disco, wasn't it? A lot of the like well, some of it, it yeah. came about after it. And what the DJs would do is they would sample this disco tracks or this classic music and make it a little bit better. So that was the upside. It, yeah. it brought them back. Like I love that Tony Bennett paired with a whole bunch of young artists. I thought yeah. that was so yeah, cool. So he did one with the, I think Lady, Lady Gaga. Gaga. Yeah. He, you know, I think that's awesome. Or Barbara recently, Barbara Streisand just did something with Jamie Foxx. Oh, wow. So, so that's, you know, and, and like, or Justin Timberlake, he, he pays homage to a lot of other artists, older artists. So I think, I think when they pay homage, yeah. that's important. So yeah. that was the upside to sampling and so forth. So, wow. but we'll see. I mean, also, what I love about social media and technology, let me just add this, sure. is that yeah. you don't have to be famous to get to a get building and it, and, it, and, and it it exposes raw talent. Sure. I think there's a guy, there's a father who um, sang Tennessee Whiskey and his daughter recorded him and now he's like, famous. he's always sang, yeah. but he never was famous, but now he's famous going on the Ellis so show fun. because she just loved the way he's, he's singing he We the definitely song. have a... a so, Easy. Well, we have that opportunity to get in the door, I guess, with these new platforms and stuff. It makes it that much easier with YouTube and etc. So we do have everything out there. It's just a matter of you uh, building your audience. Exactly. You know, that's what I said. You really don't need the record companies. And then also with technology, being record quickly. And then the programs like The Voice. When we were at Pearson, what was it? Um, that's the show. The show. I'm blanking. I'm so sorry. What was the show? American, not the Voice. The other one. Oh, American, I, American Idol. American Idol was yeah, brought American to them, Idol. and they wow. were like, "This is never gonna work." I was like, "This is gonna be a hit." And it's because a hit. <laughs> you don't have to win. Yeah, you're just being true. exposed. That's true. Actually, so you really don't have to win the show. Some of them that actually are very successful didn't even win. Bad publicity is still publicity. Yeah. Well, you don't have to win because yeah. even though you you sing, you still can get a recording deal. You still can get deals. That's true. Because people thousands are of people are hearing you. you, so it yeah. didn't matter whether you really won or not. That's and true. so that started something different. Wow. No, Again. So. Well, Doris Driver, everyone, thank you so <laughs> thank much. You. This was very incredible. Much. This was blessed. very, actually, it's Thank amazing. you. It's an honor. Your experience <laughs> is amazing, though. It's really... 
at least if the business burned you out in that aspect, you have to write a book. Yeah. You should definitely <laughs> write or a like book. a memoir or something for sure. Well, the takeaway is I, I just want to end it by having some takeaways sure. here. And that is, you know, ask yourself, how do you want to make a difference and be significant? No job is too small. So come in with a be- learner's mind, a beginner's mind, no matter what level yeah. you, you, you know, your career takes you. Um, be open to change, you know, because you never know what direction your career is going to take you, especially the entertainment industry, because yeah. it's a business of selling emotions. That was something Barry White told me, too. You're in the business of selling emotions and that changes. Right. So be open and just and just how can you bring value? You know, you want to wake up and do that. The rest takes care of itself, yeah. you know, and, and just really know yourself when it comes to your ethics and personal integrity and your vision. Stay true to your vision and be strict, uh, be structured, but not strict to it because mm-hmm. it can change and evolve. I mean, I never thought I'd be in the in the theater business or television. <laughs> that was not my area. And then let me real quick before we end, yeah. I transitioned to education because I was always teaching anyway. Yeah, sure. And Dan brought, when he got into education, Dan brought me in as a professional expert. Yeah. And then it kind of evolved from there. And it's that's how we became that. You have VA so much time. knowledge where you could actually Definitely. teach and spread that Life and just work experience. That's, that's, that's I'm very impressive. Like, oh, thank you. Thank well, you for having thanks. me. Okay, so. Dora, awesome. Let me, uh, before we go, what's the best way people could reach you for? Um, to email me. Email, email me well, at the... drdconsultants with an S number one at gmail.com. And we will D- include it in the links. So yeah, we will yeah, definitely include is... in the link to also. Thank you. This was incredible. Thank you. Thank Appreciate you, Doris. It. Thank you Keep very much. Keep doing what you're doing. Oh, Thank you. You guys have a good night.